0: And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk Hello and a very warm welcome. Thank you for joining us. My name is Ray Das, and I'm part of the leadership team at Jubilee Church Derby. We are going to on to the next part of our series on race and diversity. Um, if you've missed some of these I do recommend that you go and have a look at these again, they're on our website at www.jubilee.org.uk uh, Just click on the media site and um, uh, away you go and it's all free of charge. Hopefully you have appreciated and benefited uh, from the challenge this series has presented. I know that I certainly have, um, it has reminded me um, how much society has changed during my, my lifetime, and how much more radical change is required in our world today. I guess for many people, the tragic and needless death of George Floyd caused people to think deeply about the destruction of racism and the value that we actually place on human life. Maybe for others, it caused them to think even deeper as to what causes us and society in general to act and behave in the way that we do. If we are honest, whether consciously or unconsciously, deep within us all we may find traces of certain bias, intolerance and prejudice towards others for various reasons. Historical conflicts, wars, disagreements and hostile exchanges between different countries and people groups can leave its citizens holding onto and harboring bitterness, anger and prejudice towards those they perceive as their past and even their current enemies. These experiences and attitudes can be potential triggers for attitudes of discrimination and prejudice and racism in people's lives.
1: Hello everyone. Now, let me take your attention to John chapter 4, where Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now, this read is using the NIV version. Now, first let's look at verse 4 to 9. Now, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Verse 19, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Verse 25 to 27, The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Now let's look at verse 39 to 42. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now, we have heard of for ourselves and we know that this man really is a savior of the world. This
0: is an absolute fantastic account. I love the narrative. It's brilliant. And if we dig deep enough, we will find so much gold in this story. Unfortunately, we don't have the time today to do the justice. It requires a whole separate time uh, to, to look at this. However, we will draw some key points from this unique account this morning. Consider with me, please, uh, for a moment the following questions. Was it a coincidence for Jesus to be in the right place at the well, at the right time, with the right person, without the disciples present, in a hostile territory, alone with a woman? May I suggest there are only two outcomes of which only one can be true. There are too many things happening all at once for them to be coincidental. The other plausible answer is that this was all planned or even ordained by God. Regardless of your position, this passage demands our attention. So I want to share with you some key points from this story. Number one, Jews and Samaritans did not get on. In fact, there was deep-rooted cultural division and hatred between them. They despised each other, never mind talking to one another. Number two, it was not customary for a woman to chat with the men they did not know, especially alone. Three, the Samaritan woman was a social outcast, avoiding everyone and visiting the well when nobody else was around. But on this occasion, she was surprised Jesus was there. Number four, Jesus did not adhere to the custom of the day. We broke through social and cultural boundaries. Number five, Jesus was the one who initiated the conversation. He took the first step in reaching out. Number six, Jesus revealed himself to her and she believed. Number seven, many of the people in the village believed in Jesus. And number eight, a community was changed. There are many more points to draw out of this passage, but those few points will do for now. So what can we learn from this incident? Jesus was willing to break the social and cultural rules of his day. And this was no small matter by replacing them with new kingdom rules. As his followers, we are called to live kingdom values and recognise that people are more than just the sum of their racial and cultural and political identities. They are God's image bearers who, are, who have sadly lost their way. Jesus calls you and me to put aside the stereotypes that we carry, the prejudices that we hold, the social and cultural lines that we draw. We see he invites us to look at the Samaritan woman and see a sister. Not a harlot, not a castaway, not a heretic, not even a foreigner or even a threat. Where in your life might God be calling you to break through a social rule? Break through a cultural boundary, embrace a stranger or reach out to an enemy? What lines has Jesus crossed and overcome in order to find you and me. It has certainly made me think and re-evaluate my thoughts, attitudes and actions towards others. Yes, racism is wrong, but there are other mindsets and attitudes and behaviours that are equally as wrong. This series has provoked me to examine and challenge my mindset, my heart, to see if my attitudes and actions pure and biblical. Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 5 and he says this, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realise that Christ is in you? Unless of course you failed the test. Racism after all is about mindsets, thoughts, heartfelt attitudes and behaviours. Maybe we all need some time to evaluate our lives in the light of scripture. Let us test ourselves to see if we are indeed being truthful to God and ourselves. Why not take some time out this week and allow the Holy Spirit to speak and minister minister to you as you reflect on these things? The very root of racism can be traced back to the fall of creation in Genesis. It was from that time that man had the choice of following God's law or their own version of what was right, wrong, good or evil. The question is then posed, how do we determine what is right or wrong or what is good or evil? How do we distinguish Do you distinguish these two by the word of God or do you distinguish them by your own opinion? It is truly unfortunate that the majority of humanity has decided to determine what is good and evil as well as what is right and wrong by their own opinions. So in essence God is pushed completely to one side and the creation that is man then becomes the standard of judgment for absolutely everything essentially man becomes the judge of all things using his understanding to judge right from wrong and good from evil you see when you judge anything or anybody by the standards of yourself the other person is inferior by definition because Nobody can be me as well as I can be me. No race can be as good as my race. This is where racism is birthed. And it manifests itself in lots of ways deep within our hearts and our minds. God did not create us to live in this way. And I want to share three simple truths around God's created order with you this morning. First, we are created in God's image to be His image bearers. Two, we are created to live in harmony, to live in unity with God and man. Three, we're created to know God, to have an intimate relationship with Him. So, number one, created in God's image to be His image bearers. The Bible tells us that God created the nations and His peoples. We are His creation, called to know Him and love Him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 says So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God does not distinguish between black or white, or indeed any other color, nor does He reject anyone for their ethnicity, culture, belief, disability, gender, but God welcomes all. Galatians chapter 3 verse 8 says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ. As image-bearers of the Creator, the physically or mentally challenged have value. Those that society may cast aside, the least fortunate and the vulnerable, have eternal worth. Christ died for the autistic just as much as he did for you and for me. Knowing that we are created in God's image and considering the unfathomable depths of his love for us, we must despise, reject and oppose any form of racism or indeed any other ism with the understanding that humanity is made in the image of God. We are to be his image bearers, reflecting his beauty, his kindness, mercy and love to those around us. Number two, created to live in harmony, to live in unity with God and man. Unfortunately, to a large degree, humanity has misunderstood God's created design for mankind and fallen into despair, rejection and indifference of each other, leading to the erosion of society. This is not God's design, but man's sin manifesting itself through pride and selfishness, insecurity, fear and hostility, along with the, the lack of dignity and respect for his fellow man. church must view itself through the eyes and heart of Christ, seeing as well as loving as he did. So, how do we accomplish this? We see this wonderfully and graciously demonstrated to us through the discourse between Jesus and the Samaritan woman. In Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10, it says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, but be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. As we love God, he teaches us to love ourselves and to love others. Therefore, let us embrace what God has made and love what he loves in the way that he loves. A new understanding of worth, Identity and value is established. You see, this is what Jesus brings. This is what happened to the Samaritan woman in, her, in this earlier passage that we read. To bring change, not only in the matters of race, but in all areas of society. Preserving the sanctity of life as God intended. Where racism has no place. And culture and diversity can be celebrated. So the question is, how ready are we to embrace those from different different multi-ethnic and cultural backgrounds? To live in harmony with them and to offer them the freedom and expression on an equal basis? I would like to share a personal testimony with you and... I was really reluctant to do this because I didn't feel comfortable or at ease about sharing it. However, uh, my fellow elders um, encouraged me to to share and I want to honour them in sharing it this, this morning with you. I'm just so thankful to God for my brothers and sisters in Christ for their encouragement and their blessing. In my own life there's been times when I've experienced racism, the disharmony and the tension along with the conflict it causes. Thankfully on all the occasions there was no physical violence. I remember on one occasion as a teenager along with my friends being chased by a group of white youths with knives shouting racial abuse at us for no reason at all. There was no provocation on our part. We were minding our own business, walking down a street. The only reason I can come up with for their illogical behaviour is that they did not want us in their area. So I know how it can affect one's life and attitude towards others. For those of you who are not aware of my background, my parents are of Indian descent from a state in the northern part of India called the Punjab. They migrated and settled here in the UK in the latter part of the 1940s. I was born and grew up in Derby. I have visited the birthplace of my parents as other places in India on a number of occasions. All of my life I have lived in a mixture of two cultures. It felt as though I was living a double life. I was emotionally caught up between two very different ways of living in a tug of war. Expectations from family, friends and work, colleagues and society had a profound effect on me. And as a consequence I struggled with my identity and I questioned myself. Was I Indian? Was I English? Which culture was I to adopt? On a lighter note, which is better, curry or chips? Onion bargey or roast potatoes? And how about age-old practice of dunking in tea? Will it be a hobnob or a paratha? All hard decisions. By the way, I love them all. I embrace them all. But joking aside, on on a more serious note, when someone calls you by a deogatory and demeaning name because of your colour or the place of your origin, it makes you think, why are these these people insulting me in this way? It makes you feel inferior because you are looked down on. I remember clearly there was one particular white family living on the street uh, that we lived in. They were openly racist. Maybe because we were different. We were coloured. We were foreigners. Who had on many occasions taunted us by racist remarks using aggressive and inflammatory language to intimidate us. We, that is, my siblings, were only young at the time, around the ages of between 8 and 11. For me, it left an indelible scar deep within my heart for years. I was made to feel different, not wanted, and as I grew up, it made me feel wary and suspicious of people who were different to me in colour. It may not manifest itself as openly as it did all those many years ago, but it is still there and prevalent, sometimes in more subtle ways. However, the total reality of the situation was that there were those of the white community who were completely different. They were warm and accepting and friendly, not hostile. What was more incredible was they didn't see me as coloured or different and even more bizarre as foreign. They didn't see me as foreign. That amazed me. And they weren't offensive, but completely the opposite from those who had made life awkward and uncomfortable for me. In fact, they accepted, accepted me for who I was and wanted to be my friends. My parents, they too, had their own indifference, intolerance and prejudice in particular against the Pakistani community which has also had an impact on me I guess this stem back to the time when Pakistan broke its ties with India and became independent country This caused much division and animosity leading to violence between the two people groups even to this day there is much conflict between the two countries. However the wonderful power of Jesus breaks through these barriers and I have had many good Pakistani friends. In fact in an earlier church situation 80% of our children were comprised of children from Pakistani background. We visited Uh, and love to see their families and share Jesus with them. How you are made to feel by others is so important. This applies across the board, regardless of colour, ethnicity, gender, disability or class. We have the potential to bring people down as well as up. The way of Christ was always to lift people up. This is what took place in the life of the Samaritan woman. No longer judged, no longer an outcast, she was forgiven, restored. The wonderful truth is however, we may have been affected by racism, by rejection, Or indeed any other form of mistreatment, we can find healing and restoration in Jesus. Whether we were a perpetrator or a victim, we can know and experience the forgiveness and love of Jesus. When I became a Christian I had to renounce these inherited traits and negative ways of thinking. Replacing them with new biblical understanding, thinking, and practice. Point number three: created to know God, to have intimacy with God. What do I mean when I say created to know God? Precisely that: God created us in His image. And he created us to live in harmony with him. In order to live in harmony with him, we have to know him. We have to know his character, who he really is, what He is really like, and experience him for ourselves. As creator God, he loves his creation and created you and me to have friendship and intimate relationship with His. He is not an impersonal God who is distant or detached from his creation. Rather, he desires for us to be close to him. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow! God Allowed the judgment and the penalty of man's sin to fall on Jesus. In other words, it was mankind that deserved punishment for sinning against God. But Jesus took our place and paid the price for our sin on the cross. He died for you and for me. This reconciliation Doesn't happen automatically. It happens when we as individuals turn to God in prayer. And ask him to forgive us for rejecting him. For breaking his laws. For all the wrong we have done towards him and others. For our failure to do what was right when we had the chance. Friends. No sin is too great that God cannot forgive it. Whether it is racism, discrimination, prejudice or any other sin. Nothing, absolutely nothing is too difficult for God to forgive. John chapter 4 verse 42 from our passage earlier on. They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. The villagers discovered Jesus for themselves and were changed. Today you too can discover Jesus for yourself in your own home or wherever you might be today. Today you can have a new start by giving to God all that was wrong and destructive in your life. He is willing to take your sorrow and shame away, offering you a fresh start. It's like starting all over again. How amazing is that? Just like the Samaritan woman, there was no more hiding, no more shame, no more avoiding people, she was set free. If you have felt challenged today and feel and know deep within that you need and want God's forgiveness, freedom and love, then may I encourage you right now to click on the salvation link which is about to come on your screen. Also, if you would like to explore more about the Christian faith, then we have a special free online course just for you called Alpha Online. If you would like more information about Alpha, for further details, view our website again at www.jubilee.org.uk or have a chat with one of the online hosts after the meeting. Finally, to finish, I would like to leave three questions for your consideration. Number one, what mindsets, bias, intolerances or prejudice, if any, do we have that may cause us to steer away from certain people and situations? And how do we overcome these? Number two, what makes us feel uneasy, awkward, maybe inadequate to talk with those of different origin, colour, culture, or background? And how can these be overcome? Question three, what do we do and how do we react? when we are in the presence of persons whom we feel uncomfortable with. Are our actions biblically aligned? Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Please don't feel you have to rush off, but do join us on Zoom for our coffee time straight after this meeting. The link will appear shortly on your screen. Also, if you would like prayer, Our online hosts are available and around to help you. Thank you for listening. Have a great week and God bless.
2: Well, today I'm with Caroline. Caroline, good to see you. Hi, Graham. Great to see you too. Thanks for being here. And uh, we're going to continue our series of conversations, really, we're having with different people in Jubilee. If you missed the previous ones, you can always catch up online. We had uh, uh, previous conversations with T and Nick over recent weeks. Um, so, Caroline, thank you for agreeing to be part of this. So good to uh, explore some of these issues with you so why don't you introduce yourself tell us a little bit about yourself and you know whether you always lived in derby or you you found yourself here let's uh, hear a little bit of your background and story right
3: um so i'm caroline and um, i've been going to jubilee church probably about uh, 13 years now so quite a long time um but i've been in derby much longer um so i moved to derby when i was 17 And I've been pretty much living in Derby and surrounding Derbyshire most of my adult life. Um, However, prior to that, I had lived in lots of different places, Uh, grew up in London and also lived in Brazil and Singapore. I was actually born in Brazil myself um, and um, of British parents. So my father... Um, was London-born, um, grew up in London for most of his life, uh, well, sort of young life, and he's white. And uh, my mum was born in Guyana when it was still a British colony, so she's a hence citizen, and she is black Afro-Caribbean. So I'm guess,
2: I guess I'm guess what you would call mixed heritage. Wow. Okay, cool. That's a fantastic background and wonderful to have you here in Derby. I mean, I guess when your parents got together, uh, a mixed marriage would have been quite unusual. Was it something that they got, you know, had, had grief for or they found difficult or was it, yeah. was it easy going for them?
3: Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so my mom came over to Guyana when she, uh, sorry, came over from Guyana to the UK when she was eighteen. So I guess she's she's part of that Windrush generation. Came over yeah. to train as a nurse, and um, when she met my dad, um, yeah, there, there was quite a, a lot of um, you know prejudices, I guess, from friends and family and people around because it just was very uncommon in the sort sure. of fifties at that time but they've always been quite um you know they, they've never lived by the rules they've always like <laughs> they've known what they wanted and they've always gone for it so i think they would they probably quite defiant about it you know yeah great each other it doesn't matter anything about our
2: background fantastic well fortunately that's much more common these days isn't it which, which is great yeah, um but so how, so how have you found it then what about uh, you being a person i guess would call what's sort a of mixed heritage yeah. in the uk how have you how have you found that
3: um it's it has been mixed actually um i would say as a child um i'd probably say one of my biggest challenges was this sense of confusion and ambiguity um about my ethnicity so i would always get asked questions like what are you (laughs) Um, and i think kids are are quite blunt about it you know (laughs) they kind of want to know and they'll use those kind of questions i think as i've got older um it's been a bit more subtle but it's still based around this confusion and curiosity about um you know my ethnicity and, and where i'm from um so i often get one of the first questions i'm asked um when people start talking to me they'll, they'll mention my skin color and they'll say oh you've got a, a lovely tan you know have you been on holiday or something like that um, or people will just make assumptions and they'll just say oh you know are you spanish or uh, Greek or Italian or, you know, insert any sort of brown skin colored, uh, <laughs> Iranian looking ethnicity in there. And, and they'll sort of make those, those guesses. Yeah. Um, and I guess as a child in growing up, any sort of racism that I did experience was again, based on other assumptions that I might have been of Indian heritage or Pakistani heritage, you know, so there would be those racial slurs based around those es- ethnicities. Yeah. Um, so that that was kind of quite difficult. I think as I got older, you know, people are better now with race, but certainly having a, a black mum and a white dad, um, it was really obvious the, the differences in the way they were treated. So we lived in Brazil and we lived in Singapore as well when I was a, when I was a child and growing up and. Uh, uh, when we were living in Brazil, we lived in an apartment uh, that had two lifts. So it had a main okay. lift for the residents and it had a uh, a rear lift for the employees. So the, the maids and the cleaners and... Um, you know my dad you know no one ever questioned him using the front lift but whenever my mum went in there she would sometimes get challenged by residents and they would say you're not supposed to use this lift you're supposed to go around the one at the back so they've made an assumption because she's black you know that that she's she's a servant and you know there's no way she could possibly be you know a resident here Um, but my mum being my mum would uh, answer them in English and and basically have a go at them in English and then suddenly there would be this like horror of realization oh absolutely. I, can imagine. <laughs> I can imagine yeah she she would get as good as she got let's put it that way yeah um, but but my parents um were always so proud of their interracial marriage and relationship and they always encouraged us to be proud of who we were you know so they, they both celebrated they both celebrated both sides of our culture you know i i was always yeah. proud to to be you know, black and, you know, with my skin tone and my hair. And I was always proud of my wife, my dad, dad's heritage because he's got quite a strong Celtic um, heritage as well. So, you know, they, they made us feel proud of who we were.
2: Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant. I was reading an article just this week actually of a a young black lawyer uh, experiencing similar prejudice walking into a courtroom and various people making assumptions that she was something other than than a lawyer and uh, questioning her being here. So whilst it was something I guess that happened to your parents or to your your Mm -hmm. mum, it seems that it's still happening even today. Absolutely, yeah.
3: Yeah, I, I read that recently as well,
2: that story, and it's quite quite shocking, really. It is, isn't it? It, yeah. it really is. And, and that's one of the reasons that we're looking at this subject as a church, because it, it really is a very live subject in our nation, in our culture. Yeah. Uh, and sadly, we you ha- we know we've made some progress, which is good, but yeah. sadly we haven't made as much progress as we need to. And there's still more to do, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I've really found it helpful talking to you over recent months. So thank you for your your time in that. As we've talked about some of these issues together, mm-hmm. so uh, thinking about us as a church so for for Jubilee, what would some of your top tips be for us, uh, either for us as a church or for for us as individuals in everyday life? What would you what would you say?
3: Um, I think. Uh, i mean there's there's a few um, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll try and keep it short. Um, I think you've got to remember that ethnicity is a really personal thing to that person, so um, you know no matter what their ethnicity is, you know you you, you can't make those assumptions um, and somebody that's of mixed heritage as well, I think because we hold a quite an ambiguous position in this world, you know a world that that likes to polarize races, black, white, you know, and ethnicities, we're somewhere straddling the two worlds. And I think that um you have to be really conscious of that. And actually mixed people will make their own identities. So some some mixed um heritage people will have a very strong black influence in their life. So therefore they may Um, identify as black and they may um, you know that 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 may be where where they feel that their identity lies equally there may be some uh, people of mixed heritage who have had a very strong white white influence and and may see themselves more in in that you know arena in terms of ethnicity Um, I personally love and celebrate you know both aspects of that as well yeah. um but i I think um yeah, let people lead those conversations you know, don't, don't okay. just make those assumptions um and don't again, you know for, for my experience is you know because, just because you can't categorize someone and look at someone and say, oh they're black, they're Indian, they're white, you know they're Chinese, whatever. There, is, there isn't a need to categorise people and there isn't a need to yeah. take that box before you get to know that, that person. You need to understand that they're a person first and foremost. And actually, more appropriate would be things like, oh, how, you know, how, how have you ended up in Derby? You know, do you work here? Or, you know, those kind of questions yeah. that you asking conversations rather than getting straight to that, you know, oh, sure. not, not quite sure, you know, where you are um, or yeah. who you are. Um, because I think as that relationship grows, um, I think that people will be more comfortable to be quite open about that and yeah. talk about that because you've taken an interest in them. You know, yes, their culture and their heritage is, is a massive part of who they are, but it's not shouldn't be the leading question. Um, sure. And, and, and I just think the final thing, again, I don't think this is much, much more of a problem now, but being careful around terminology. So yeah. um, when I was growing up, I was called half caste because that was the that was the term that was used for mixed race people, um, and even now um, I still have to challenge people with, with that terminology, um, yeah. because you know the connotations of half is that it's not complete, you know what I mean, and and and, and there's yeah. all of that. Um, so you know we've been using the term mixed heritage, and and that that's the sort of acceptable term at the moment. But I think just you know again be led by that person. How do they call themselves? How do they identify their ethnicity? And it's just sure. ensure that we are respectful of whatever terms that they want to
2: use um, and however they want to identify. Caroline, right, that, that's, that, that's really helpful. We, we, could, we could talk for a long time about some of these subjects and I'm sure we'll be coming back to them um, in, in future weeks and months ahead as well. But for now, we'll, we'll leave it there. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your vulnerability and honesty and thank you for helping us on this journey as well. Okay, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks.